that I'd not intimately across the top 100. I just voted on it. <laughs> Finally get the number one right. We Well, we got Sam Kerr at the top of it, you know. Exactly. Groups, welcome back. Thanks. We missed you. Oh, I missed you guys. Totally missed you guys. I need my weekly football chatter fix. And um, luckily we had a game of football in Canberra here last Thursday night. So I got to catch up with lots of big football fans and personalities and stuff again, as you do. So that was pretty cool, having Thursday night football in Canberra. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll get to that later. You've got quite the contingent in Canberra as well of the gang there. You've got um, Flinny, who's the intern, and then you've got... Intern. But the Flintern, you've got Lydia is there as well. Ben, who used to take photos for, or he does take them for the women's game, I think, but he does a great job out there as well. Tell us about the game. Tell well, us about the Canberra Let's not match. forget Stefan, our absolute super recruit. Um, Stefan's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's been brilliant. And he had he had his first go at um, live tweeting around the halftime break because I, uh, you know, a dream came true for me on Thursday, guys, when I got to play on McKellar Park at halftime, <laughs> walking football exhibition match, <laughs> which was made absolutely superbly brilliant when Katrina Gorey decided to, you know, uh, imitate us in the second half of the game, um, which is made. Is that what all that was about? I thought that was her getting off the field quite slowly when they were (laughs) maybe trying to use up the time. Yeah, I think she was pretending to rush for a corner. Um, No, we were all laughing saying, oh, she must have been watching us at halftime. And then we couldn't quite figure out because we're pretty sure they were in the change room at halftime. But I'll tell you, she'd make a terrific walking footballer. So tell us about the walking football exhibition then how'd you go oh yeah it was good it was um I tell you what that pitch is lovely to play on um no it was just really fun it's just such a great fun group of people I was just telling um a few folk tonight it's not really club based it's not all of the usual you know club allegiances necessarily although some people have come from different football clubs uh, so it was fun but look you know five ten minutes you know what it's like they drag normally they're dragging kids out there to play Ruball or mini roos or whatever it's called these days and um yeah so we got out there us oldies and um got to do a little exhibition of walking football and the good news is I heard uh, I think one of the reasons they're doing a few halftime promos is that we're actually going to have a winter comp in Canberra next season so that's a bit exciting for those of us who like to still play. What's the, what's the logistics of the walking football? Do you play like a a part of the field or something rather because it sounds like a long way to walk if you're going end to end oh gosh no it's it's a smaller size field and it's smaller size goals as well um I don't really know the logistics but the thing I love about it is it does I don't really think it matters what played we just said oh yeah let's just play between the sideline and the edge of the 18 yard box and we didn't get too worried about it like the best thing is everyone just kind of goes oh we actually say to the referees on you know, the league nights, oh, look, don't worry about it. Don't don't toss the coin. That just wastes too much time. Let's just, you start. We'll start in the second half. You know, we're just sort of, you can definitely self-referee, which is really fun. Um, yeah, smaller goals, but you do play with a goalkeeper. Um, it's a bit like indoor football, indoor soccer, where um, the uh, players aren't allowed into the semicircle. Um, so that gives the goalkeeper a bit of space to be able to save the ball. You're not allowed to kick it above shoulder height, so there's not a lot of heading the ball. 
Um, and what else? And you don't do normal throw-ins. You roll the ball underarm or you kick the ball in for a, to get the ball back into play. And then, yeah, obviously you just can't run. So, and that's, you know, there's a bit of a fine line between people's walks and people's runs, but yeah, that's, that's pretty well self, self-policed as well. But what you find is it's quite a good um, evener uh, as far as pace and people's age and uh, that type of thing because you are all slowed down to a walk. So it's quite, um, I'd say it's quite a skillful game because you want your passing to be quite, um, you can't just knock it up to the, you know, to the corner flag and hope someone is quick enough to get there in time. It it's It's kind of a game where you play the ball to feet and, and pass it into the spaces and um, see if you can get a shot away. So, yeah, it's good fun. Sounds fantastic. Krubs, could you imagine just you and I doing the pod? You've seen one game. I've seen – I've probably no. seen three of them, but I've probably forgotten two and a half. <sighs> no. Nah. Oh, I can hear you We got guys. a molly. Yeah. And I reckon now is probably a good time for Krubs to give us a bit of a rundown of the, the game that you had in McKellar as well. Yeah, it was so good. It was uh, it was just really nice. You know, it's been quite intense uh, in and around Canberra, I think, with the bushfires down at Braidwood and the coast and just seemed to be a lot of people uh, coming along to the game and really just getting into it and enjoying it straight after work. Everyone's out there. It was a glorious evening and um, beautiful sunset there over McKellar Park. We had Fox Sports there, which is pretty rare for us to have them at McKellar Park. Um so they had to pump up the extra extra lights on the sidelines. So that was a bit exciting for us. Um, but it was also just so exciting to have not just Canberra United back after their big victory against the Jets the previous weekend, but to have Brisbane Raw. And can I just say the old Brisbane Raw back? You know, it was just so cool to see Tamika Yallop and Katrina Gorry and um, just just the old crew um, back in Orange, it was just cool to see them playing alongside Hayley Rasso again and Carson Pickett and Claire Polkinghorne. And it was, um, again, I almost found myself cheering for the visiting team for a while, a bit like I did with City. But there's just so many Matildas there, it's a bit hard not to. Um, they also, I just thought Brisbane Raw played just quite beautifully in the first half at least and then into the second half as well. Um and while Cambria United really sort of slogged it out and did what they could, they they, you know, just didn't um yeah didn't have the finesse of the Brisbane players, especially the midfield who were who were just playing it around quite beautifully, and picking the space as well. So, yeah, of course Brisbane Raw took that lead through Yallop, and then um just before half time, I actually missed that goal. Had to catch it in the uh, had to catch it in the replays, but with Hayley Rasso um, uh, knocking the ball past Karmas there. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw the replay because we'd spent the first half saying, oh, imagine if Sham Karmas could just lob the ball over Mackenzie Arnold's head because Arnold was always playing so far out of the box. And then it was actually the other way around that um, Arnold took advantage of um, Karmas coming out. So, yeah, they went into the halftime with a pretty comfortable 2-0 lead. And then uh, Elise Thorsness, the power, she just turned Polkinghorn um, inside out and just smashed it past Mackenzie Arnold. Um, so then it was game on. That was with about 25 minutes to go. And that's when you found the absolute intensity on the field, off the field. Um, yeah, a bit of sort of, I guess, delaying tactics from um, from Brisbane happening. And uh, yeah, I guess the local crowd didn't appreciate that so much and, and nor did the Canberra United players. So um, to the extent, in fact, that Canberra United 
uh, club has sent um, an email to to supporters um, this week asking asking that they ref- refrain to uh, be abusive, um, which is a good thing to do. Um, not be abusive. That is to refrain and um, and just set those behavioural standards again. Um, so yeah, but there was certainly lots of passion in the in the stadium. But um, as much as they tried, Canberra United couldn't quite uh, get an equaliser there against Brisbane. But yeah, another in, uh, it's such a good hit out between um, Brisbane and Canberra whenever they play at McKellar Park, and uh, they did not let us down at all. It's one of those traditional rivalries. Like I'm sure that there are a few of them actually, but the Canberra Brisbane one is one of the bigger ones, and I think even in terms of points because they're the first points that Brisbane have picked up, so it was a a very very big deal for them, and you could see with that passion that was ignited on the field as well. But Canberra not looking too shabby; they're still in fourth position, so it's going all right for them. So well done, groups. Yeah, no, it was a good one. I mean, Heather Garrick was frustrated in the press conference afterwards. I think she was. Um... Yeah, she was she was frustrated. She felt that Brisbane probably played the way the they anticipated, um, and yeah, she she wasn't shy about saying she thought Canberra didn't probably play to the way the way they had planned to play. So, but uh, yeah, that no, was just really fun. I got another scoop for you guys. It's kind of related to last podcast scoop. Um, so we bumped into Ash Sykes, Nick Begg's twin sister, and we asked her all about what her ambitions for next season are for the NPLW and uh, yeah she might also pull the football boots back on um, which will be so exciting for local Canberra football if we have the uh, the Sykes twins back um, although she may in fact choose to run a marathon instead next year so we'll keep you we'll keep you <laughs> up to speed with that one but always good to catch up with Ash and, and Nick whenever we can and we also saw Tommy Samani in the um in the crowd on the weekend as well. Not entirely did, – I didn't quite get the scoop on what he was doing in town, but he had a really good chat with Camilla after the game. So he was obviously catching up with a lot of old um, – some of his old colleagues. That sounds fantastic. And and I think oh. every time that I talk about Canberra, I can't say enough good things about them, but you think about, you know, where it is as a region and it might not be on paper as appealing of some – as. Sydney for some international players coming over, but it definitely picks up the international players and it's just got that fantastic community feel around it. So it's definitely nice to see Sykes and Big still around and the atmosphere still around. It's very, very much a big part of football. Hey, Molly, what about the next game that you and I both went to and, and probably one of the comments that I would make about that is that it is very community-based um, yeah, I think, you know, um, out at Morwell, that was, that was really nice. It was really lovely. Um, and I think the more, more games in the country, the better, you know, you could probably argue that the scheduling wasn't great with it being the first Melbourne game and then public transport out that way. It's not the easiest, or I think it's almost, yeah, it's, it was going to take me three hours if I didn't find a lift to get there um but yeah I think there's just there's something special you know having um I think definitely one stand was packed on the one side and then the other side that we sat on shares it filled out quite well by the end I thought um it didn't didn't feel empty 
Yeah, I didn't really look around at the crowd too much. You sort of saw the familiar faces, which was fantastic, and it was great to hang out with you, Molly, but the game was really pretty intense and exciting for me, so it could have been the Queen sitting beside (laughs) me and I wouldn't have noticed. I might have let you know if that was happening, though, Shez. (laughs) (laughs) I still probably wouldn't have paid attention. It was a pretty, pretty exciting game, and I think for me in particular, maybe not so much for you, Molly, because I know that you want to see the Wanderers win in, in your lifetime, but it was... It was a really good start for Melbourne Victory and they were connecting and using the ball quite well, some really tight tight passes and quick passes and, and I think that's what helped them get in front and the Wanderers were just pushing from then on in. But I, I think Victory probably had a pretty good game plan and, and maybe frustrated the Wanderers a yeah, little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, Victory kept it really tight. I was wondering about their high line but it worked. I think it was only towards the end when they, they ran out of legs really where – um, it didn't work quite as well because they started to sit back a bit. But, you know, having just so little space to play in victory, I think that was their game plan, you know, to just make sure the Wanderers didn't have any space to play in. And it, it worked, you know. I think a one-all uh, one draw for them is is a great result at this point in the season, you know, coming back from Asia and um the fatigue and whatever else that comes with those extra games. And I think, yeah, they just brought the intensity to match the Wanderers, especially in the first 30 minutes. It was almost a different team to what we've seen so far in the W League from them at least. Um, They definitely didn't bring that intensity in Sydney in round one. And then Brisbane, you could almost argue similar similar things. I think that's that's really exciting to see from Victory. And, yeah, they just played it smart. They knew their game plan, as you said, and um, it was good from that perspective and frustrating from I'll never see the Wanderers win. <laughs> oh, you will. I bet you absolutely will. But I, I think the Wanderers had plenty of possession of the ball, which I, I think maybe it was more about what they did with the ball, but then they also had, a, and we went through and we talked about the voting of mm. a couple of key players that we're doing for the Beyond 90 team of the season and and the player of the year and all that kind of thing and there were definitely a couple of really good defending roles that happened out there. Yeah I agree I think um, in particular Angie Beard was unreal you know you you think you're matching up against Lynn Williams for 90 minutes um, and you know it was to the case where Lynn Williams had to switch you know quite happily switch flanks when she realized that um, Tegan Allen was a bit a bit worse for wear, um, so I think that yeah, she just you know unreal. And then I think both both teams had the long throws, which defenders seemed to be taking and uh, stab for um, the Wanderers. And again, um, f- for victory, it was Angie Beard. And yeah, I think that really changed the game, even in an attacking sense, because they were pretty much corners. Um, which was just unreal to see in the flesh right in front of you, just, yeah, how how much that is a game changer. And, um, yeah, the defenders did their role really well in that match. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. And I, I do think that there were probably more chances for both teams and there was a save right on the buzzer or at least watching in real time it seemed like it was right on the buzzer, but maybe the whistle went beforehand or something. I'm not too sure, but I was definitely a little bit petrified on the inside and on the outside. But nice to see some people out there. You had a, a fantastic time, I hear. We we got to hang out with Lisa McCormick, so good shout out to you as well. 
um, yeah, as much as it, it's a long drive to get to the two games that I've seen so far, one in Shepparton and one in Morwell, at least on the way home from Morwell, we got to stop at the, was it the German Christmas place German or something or other? So had. Yeah, so my wife was pretty happy about that and then we had a um, – a long drive home, but at least it was a bit of an earlier drive. And then this Thursday we've got the Melbourne Derby as well, which would be great to be able to see both teams at home, probably quite a lot closer too. So, yeah, good good result probably, I think, for Melbourne victory in particular. But it keeps the Wanderers up there and probably not in too much danger right now. So do you think, like, victory, as you said, they'll be tired and everything off the back of their trip to, the, to that competition in Asia, but... Do you think that it's helped them um, reset with the pace of the game, Molly? Yeah, I I think 100%. Um, You know, I think Asia was obviously difficult for them. You just need to look at the results and they sort of don't shine themselves to anything but difficult. Um, But I think they've just, yeah, absolutely brought a completely different intensity to the game. which, you know, you kind of hope that that's what Asia brings at this point in the season. Like a lot of the Asian teams had already played together and whilst they may have not been mid-season or anything like that, um, that definitely showed over there. And I think that definitely has helped, has a flow-on effect here where um, I don't think victory would have come out with the same intensity had they not gone to Asia and that was what kept them in the match. Um, So, yeah. Definitely a good move. And what about what about the US imports? You know, especially Lynn Williams. We're all busting to see her play and see if she's as amazing in person as we as we would expect. Um, how did how would you place her among other players that we've seen? Ah, um, oh, they've got to be out there. I think um, you know we had Lynn Williams running right at us almost. It felt like um, at one stage. And it was just unreal to see in in the flesh and, you know, her ability ability to hold the ball while she might not be the best dribbler in the game. She's just quick, you know. So even if the ball's a couple of metres out in front of her, unless you've read it from the first touch, it's, you know, she's going to get there before you are. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. Hamilton is unreal to watch. Um, I don't think she had a best best game on the weekend, but just seeing her just yeah how powerful she is in in attacking and all that I think that was really really nice to nice to watch I would agree Molly I don't think either of the two players had their best games but you'd have to credit victory with a bit of that but it was pretty exhilarating to see Lynn Williams when she was running along it and you could see she'd take a touch and and she'd have a player in front of her and she just accelerates so quickly and she was past the player and able to create an opportunity so that's that's incredibly dangerous and a great thing for them yeah every time they touch the ball you're almost wondering what are they going to do now sort of thing and I think victory worked really hard to make sure the options weren't there for them um to you know do the simple ball or to get the cross off or whatever but I think yeah um you know you're just wondering every time they touch the ball what's what's next what are we about to witness? So that was that was fun. It seemed like a really important point as well for probably more so for Melbourne Victory than it was for the Wanderers just because you look at them now and they're sixth on the ladder. They've got four points, which keeps them in touch. They're on the same points as Newcastle just up in fifth. And then they're 
one point above Brisbane Raw, but it seems like a big point because then it's down to seventh and then eighth and ninth, the two teams with zero points at the moment as well. So I do think it was quite important, and particularly hmm, there's a big Melbourne derby this weekend. <laughs> I'll keep talking about that one a little bit. Hey, let's jump on to the next match. I didn't watch it. Molly, you got, can you help us out? Which one are we talking about, Perth? Perth oh, and Newcastle. It was 10pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time or whatever, so it was kind of late for me given that we'd just had a long drive out to Moorwillow as well and, you know, 10, 10 o'clock's too yeah, late. Yeah, I'd travelled all day, so 10 o'clock I was just back at my brother's place about to go to sleep. Um, but I did watch I watched the first 50 minutes off, off it on Sunday, so I did miss what I hear was an incredible goal that I believe is goal of the week. I think I saw that somewhere on Twitter, but I didn't stay to watch the clip, which I probably probably could have done. Um, but the Jets, the Jets looked pretty comfortable in this one. I think um, you know they got the goals they needed when they needed them, um, and I think yeah, Flannery again. Um, you know, there's questions whether she's found her form fully or not, and I think. You know, she's really enjoying the role that she's got at the Jets by the looks of it with just that attacking and um, playing a lot more centrally, which is fun to watch. Um, and she got her finally broke her duck and got a goal this this round after a few decent performances. So that was that was good to see. Don't know heaps more about that game. I've just missed the goal of 57 minutes, I see. <laughs> As always. <laughs> it seems to be a little bit on the bleak side for Perth at the moment, and that's definitely something that we were predicting before we kicked off the season. Also looking a little bit bleak for Adelaide as well, but that's just in terms of points. I think if you look at the actual players within the teams and hopefully some of the structure and the ways that they're trying to play, I mean, you'd have to say that they're not without a chance and they could be one of those teams who will pick up a a big win maybe later in the season when it's incredibly critical. So that would be quite the interesting thing as well. Talking about Perth, actually, and jumping maybe to Sam Kerr, can you remember, can anyone remember where she when she's actually kicking off? In the new year, isn't it? I think, well, also part of it would be the transfer window because wouldn't the transfer window not be open until January? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the timing. Um but what nice timing for her meant that, you know, she's, I think she's been off overseas having a bit of a break and now she's back home. She was spotted in the grandstand at the Perth Glory game, which is cool. And I guess hopefully she gets to hang out with the fam over this Christmas um, Christmas period. But Hey, Sam Kerr made it to the top of the um, 100 best female footballers in the Guardian as well, groups. Yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? Um, I'm trying to remember, is, is this the first time she's got number one in any of these international awards that we've sort of, that she's been featuring in the nominations for for the last few years? I, I think it might be. I think she came second in this list last year. Um, and, of course, she's always in the nominees for the, the best awards and also the Ballon d'Or. But, you know, it's just been so hard for Sam to crack um, into that number one spot. And again, I, you know, we've spoken about this before in other in other forums and things. But um, it's so I just think it's so hard to get those votes from Europe, especially because of the time zones of the Australian and the US competitions. Um, we're just not we're just not playing in the hours where um, football fans or media over there are actually watching a lot of football. So. I think when people complain that, you know, Sam hasn't been recognised, I think 
to be fair to those um, other voters in other parts of the world, they're just not seeing her play, just like it's quite a bit of effort for us to to watch too many of those um, matches in Europe, to be fair, because their matches are on at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning for us. So how exciting that Sam Kerr got to number one of the Guardian's top 100 list. Um, I think it's I think it's a pretty cool um, initiative that Rich Laverty kicked off a few years ago in the Guardian, um, uh, grabbing some folk from around the world. He he gets um, international coaches and former players and um, football media from around the world to to vote on quite an extensive list of players. I think there's around. Oh, from memory, there's a he sends around a spreadsheet of around 400 or so players, and you can always add in other player names if if you want to. But it's a pretty impressive resume of um, a lot of players from around the world, and um, yeah, you get to choose your top 40 of those players, and then he does some fancy algorithmic stuff, which then um, which then comes out with those top top 100 players from around the world. So. Yeah, I don't know what you guys thought of the final um, the final rap, but I thought, yeah, Sam Lewis did a Samantha Lewis did a really cool story about Sam Kerr as well, um, just to support that list. But I just think it also gives the um, the women's game a really good presence um, across that Guardian platform for for a week or two as well, which is always a good thing. I was going to say one of the things that I tweeted out was just about the representation of players in the current one top one hundred who were playing or had played in the W League as well. So we had in the top 100, we had Kim Little was in there. We had Sam Kerr was in there, of course. And I'm just trying to go through my tweet and have a look who else we had. But then we had a couple of other people who were tweeting and saying, oh, and don't forget Nadine Angara was one player, not in the current 100. But in terms of the W League, it does tend to pick up a couple of players who are happy to come over here and maybe experience some of Australia and the W League, we've had a few conversations about where it is in terms of the quality leagues around the world, and it's probably got a bit of room that it has to grow to make sure that it can stay in touch with those. But it doesn't stop some of these players from coming out. So I think that's a fantastic thing, and hopefully we get lots more players coming out. Yeah, for sure. I think, look, I think Australia will continue to struggle at that elite elite level, again, just because... Um, you know, the European leagues are now putting really serious money into the game, obviously. And, yeah, with the profile there, it's, yeah, it, 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 uh, you know, what do you say? <laughs> I probably shouldn't say too much. Um, it's it's just really hard not to, yeah, I, I'm just really stoked that Sam Kerr is going to Europe, basically. I think I think it's, um, it's going to be wonderful for her personally and professionally. Um, and I think it's going to be great for the Australian women's football team. Um, and I, you know, it, I just think it would be great if there was more, you know, or I think this might be the start of more permission and um, to, to go to Europe and play play more football. I think it's been fant- absolutely fantastic to have Australians go and play in the US as well. They were obviously, and still are as world champions, um, absolute world leaders in playing the game. Um, and obviously, our players have learnt to play that style um, of football, and um, and we're learning, you know, the the Asian way by by being really connected into the Asian Football Confederation too. And and I think it will be sweet to to get that well-rounded football education covering off Europe too. And that's one of the really interesting things when you look at the top one hundred. Sam Kerr's already been out there playing against Megan Rapinoe. She's been playing against Rose Lavelle. Has been out there. 
they're probably, I'm just having a look, they're the only two players that I can see from the NWSL in the top 10. Then after that, you've got Julie Ertz, Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath, Crystal Dunn. So there's a lot of players that are already there, but I think you're right. It's about being exposed to other players. You have a look at the league table for the FAWSL as well, and Chelsea are in second position at the moment. So they're doing pretty well without Sam Kerr. So it'll be interesting when they come back in or when she comes in. And it's Chelsea had just beaten Man Man City, I think it was, just on the week past. So that was a 2-1 victory to them. So I think we'll probably find a lot more Australians watching. I'm going to try and watch it myself. I, I do I do find it hard, but it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I think so too. I always have all the excuses in the world why I can't get up to watch, you know, the, the FA men's or women's um, leagues because, you know, you just you need some sleep in your life. But I am starting to think that I might make an exception for uh, for Sam. Um, not necessarily a Chelsea fan, to be honest. I'm not either, but I've got a Chelsea jersey coming. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do. Oh, good on you. Groups, who do you follow more closely in the FAWSL if, if there's a, a club at all? It's pretty tough. I, I mean, I would have to say Arsenal, um, only because I've followed their. <laughs> oh no, isn't that awful? But I've only just found out. I've only just found out how hated they are because going for Arsenal over on this side of the world, I just didn't really realise. But I've just read Fever Pitch. Have you read that book, Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby? I didn't realise they were so hated. Oh, oh! I found it a real slog. I have been wanting to read that book since the day it came out practically and I I bought it years ago and I finally read it this week and mate it's like I don't know if it's just all these bushfires or or you know the mood I'm in or but I must admit a lot of people are also saying on Instagram yeah no it's it's a slog um so yeah have a read of it Molly I'd love to see what you think of it um oh man it's just agony um I really don't (laughs) beyond 90 book club (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking that needs to be a I thing. I can do that. I can get behind uh, that. Oh, mate. Anyway, um, so apparently Arsenal is one of well is the most hated club in England or something. So I'm like, oh. Anyway, so yeah, I'd say Arsenal, but yeah, to be honest, I'm I'm not really following too closely. Um, I, I got right into the Arsenal women's team when they first kicked off a few years ago, and I think Kim Little was playing for them for a while, but I think she's moved off to City no, now, she's hasn't still she? There. She she left for Seattle, I think it was, and then went back. Was it Seattle? Somewhere in America. Uh, well, definitely. definitely. And we've got Joe Montemuro there as well, so you've got a bit of a Melbourne connection, which is quite good. Uh, well, that doesn't work for me, remember. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, definitely. Molly, do you have a, a fail, like pre, pre-cur and post-cur? Pre-cur, post-cur. Um, my struggle was Man United didn't have a women's team for a long time and now suddenly they've got a women's team and, you know, I kind of I kind of liked Chelsea before they were in the before Man United were in the top league just because Emma Hayes is amazing. She's a coach I really look up to and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you are just so clever with how you set out the teams, even though I've not watched heaps of them. I've watched a couple of their games in Europe and I'm like, yeah, like... Really, really good, really fun to watch, really interesting, really tactical um, from what what little I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I did kind of – I do have a soft spot for Chelsea, hence 
why it's not the end of the world that I'm getting a Chelsea shirt, even if my dad thinks it is. Um, <laughs> but my dad's from Manchester, so always a red. Um, I've never had a real choice in the matter, and one day I will get a Gronin jersey. I just got a Sam Kerr one first, so. Well done. What about you, Jess? It's a good question. I kind of, I almost sit on the fence as much as I do with the W League. I just support all the teams, but probably I do like Arsenal, I think, but I feel bad that they're on top of the league and I feel like supporting them is maybe a bit bit cheeky. Um, Yes to Chelsea as well, probably for the same reasons that Molly said around Emma Hayes. I I think, you know, just her story is quite a, a great story, but, and then I like the brands of, of probably Man City just because we have the Melbourne City here as well. And then, sure, Man U, why not? And <laughs> all the way through, just keep on going. So I'm hedging my bets. So I should be able to be okay. And also um, Brighton <laughs> with Tanya Ox-Toby, they're not doing well this yes. season, but last season they were killing it. Yeah, really good point. Hey, so we may as well jump on and talk about the last game of the round as well, which was Sydney – Against Melbourne. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, it was a great game, just not the result. Was it the game you expected? Once I remembered um, it was on artificial turf, yes. Before that point, for some reason, I had um, like Cogra in mind where it's quite large, it's grass. It would have been better for Sydney, I feel, had it not been on a small artificial turf because City just came out and were like, yeah, we know how to play this sort of football that suits artificial turf with the quick passes, the quick movement. Um, And they were just mesmerising. You know, their opening goal was early and it hurt, but it was so beautiful to watch that I couldn't, couldn't really bag it out too much like I would like to. if you were Ante, was there something that you think you could have changed? And I'm sure he did try different things to change to try and nullify what City were doing or just to go on and play their game even more? I think I think the biggest thing which we did at halftime was put um, Alana Kennedy in the back. We just needed that bit more experience and pace back there. Um, but I think, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to say just because um, like City were good, you know, they finally were shooting, which um, is something that I've groaned about their game all season. They weren't boring you this time around. They weren't boring me because they were actually looking like they wanted to score. Um, it looks like, you know, how te- some, you sort of sit in second gear and you're like, you know, you've got more, you're just waiting for it to happen. They kind of moved up to third, fourth, fifth um, in this game, which was fun to watch. I just wish it wasn't against Sydney. Um, um, but yeah I think there's not too like there's not too much I think um, the second half it looks like Sydney were going to score I think they really put the foot on the pedal and they were really searching for um, for that winner and that's probably almost where we went wrong in terms of City just came out on the break and you know once they got their second goal I think it wasn't over but it was always going to be difficult to break down a team like City. Um, I think, you know, from an attacking sense for Sydney, they targeted the right areas. Um, they really looked to expose Carpenter when she was pushed up and, um, you know, did that pay off? Not sure. 
but that is how they got they got the equaliser. Um, but again, Carpenter still did really well on the attack, so it sort of balanced it out for City. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a really fun game to watch. Um, this yeah, and it was really hard because I had um, my brother's partner was in the lounge room with me, and I just had it on my laptop, and he was watching something else. So I was like celebrating trying not to make a sound when Sydney scored and whatever and groaning when Sydney got got ahead so that was that was entertaining <laughs> but you're not doing too badly Molly when when I look at the ladder at the moment it, it's Western Sydney on top and then Sydney a, a third I think in the ladder mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully the ladder's up to date so you're backing two of the teams that are in the top three so that's that's pretty impressive we're doing all right and if we can make first and second so then any semi-final visits just the one flight um I mean yeah oh, two in one deal um so I think that's really the aim for Sydney to get and West Sydney like to get first <laughs> and second are you ready for early predictions of the top four, Molly? I reckon I would change mine from the start of the season. I had a shocker <laughs> at the start of the season. How are your fantasy teams going? Oh, God. Um, considering I've not made any changes <laughs> since round two, not too bad. Need to make some wholesale changes this week. My, mine was shocking and I think Molly and I were having a bit of a slack chat mm. and I was just saying how – I need to get rid of this player because they've actually not played all season and they're in my starting 11. So it's just, you know, I'm not, I have not been paying enough attention and I need to level up my game. It just wasn't good enough. Yes, that is just not like you. <laughs> I know. I'm normally pretty switched on, but I, I have been a little bit distracted. It's been quite busy in my world lately. Not to say that other people's worlds haven't been busy, but yes, I, I haven't prioritized my, my fantasy game. So I need to, need to level up. I reckon, uh, in other seasons, you you would change plays at halftime if you were allowed to. <laughs> what are you saying? Is that something wrong with that? There are, no, I'm saying you are <laughs> on it. But, like, are there rules around? Do you have transfer periods or you're just allowed to swap and change every you week? You get five-point deductions for – I think you get the first I, – oh. I think I hope you get the first one free. I cannot – I should be able to confirm this, but I haven't touched my team since round two. Um, well, I've got a 50-point penalty for changing my team, which means I've changed 10 players yeah. based on that plus a freebie. <laughs> oh, new wow. starting 11. I don't even know. I don't know how significant that is because how many points do you get for well, I got 40 points for the whole round. So if I've just doshed 50 points, then, yeah, I'm just putting myself at the bottom. But, hey, it's a long game, right? If it was a 20-season um, 20 games season or something, I'd be much yeah. better off. But yeah, at this point, I may have done my dash. It's good. But hey, shout out mm. to the She Plays people for putting all that together. It's a lot it's of work. Massive. Isn't yeah, it? great job, guys. Yeah, there are. We should try and get one of those guys on the pod. Hey, and the pod's coming up. We've been talking about who we want. So hopefully, you guys will be excited to hear this as well. We're going to have Fatty from the, the Raw Core, the supporter gang, is going to come on. Um, I think, yeah. Groobs, you've got a couple of people up your sleeve that you're trying to get on. I've got another one. I don't want to put the names out there because they might say, no, nah, bugger off. I don't want to be on the pod, but we try we'll and get some good go. peeps. Hey, let's have a quick chat about maybe next round. I don't know. Talk about it. We made Molly do tips last week. How did your tips go, Molly? Miserably, oh. I believe. <laughs> um, I <laughs> think I backed Canberra because Groobs was away and I was like, Canberra at home. I've got to, got to do it for Groobs. 
And then I think for Melbourne West Sydney, I can't. I think that was the game. I I definitely went. We're trying to sit on the fence on that one. I remember. Yeah, I tried sitting on the fence, but then I did end up back, backing the Wanderers. So that that chewed me out. And Perth, I backed yeah, Perth. Right. Definitely backed Perth, and definitely backed Sydney. So that's at least three out of four. Oh, hey, for fun, let's put Groobs on the on the hook and say who are your tips going to be this time around, Groobs. I'm not going to do them. Molly's not going to do them. Just you. Yeah, this is great because you know how much I hate tipping. So let's do it really quickly and rip the Band-Aid off. I'm going to go for City over Victory. I'm going to go for, oh, man, Canberra away to Perth. This is so hard. I'm, but I'm going to go Canberra. I am going to go Brisbane Raw mm-hmm. over Adelaide United. And I'll pick Sydney to make a big comeback over Newcastle Jets on Sunday, the TV Sounds game. Sounds pretty good to me. I think that's a good wrap of, of picking. Well done. Any any last words of advice? How hard can it be? Be good to your parents. Um, and I really, just another really, I know I'm sort of been talking about the bushfires a bit, but thank you, like all the praise in the world to the Rural Fire Service and um, all the volunteers and paid people out there keeping homes and, and animals and people safe and um yeah, just stay safe wherever you are in this great land of ours because it's um, there's lots and lots and lots of fires up the east coast, New South Wales and, and Queensland, of course, and I think creeping into Victoria too and right across so all sorts of fire dangers and things. So, yeah, look out yeah, for each other out there. Molly, any last words from you? You've been travelling a bit you're, or you've one little trip. You're going to do another trip pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. So next weekend I do a trip that's non-soccer related which is just insane to me to be catching a plane and not going to watch soccer. Um, but then the following week I'm doing the Thursday, Friday Melbourne games. So I get to watch um, three teams I haven't yet in the one weekend, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, and then, yeah, after Christmas it will be a bit tougher probably for me. But, yeah, going to be good fun and watch as much football as possible. Fantastic. Thanks for hanging out, gang. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Shiz. Thanks, Mo. Ciao.